Hey everyone, welcome to the Coastal Podcast. I'm Pastor Lucas Granger and want to say thank you for listening in. May this podcast bring some light to your world today. Enjoy grace and peace. Good morning, church. How y'all doing today? Good. Good, good, good. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord? Come on. Remember that old school, I was glad. None of y'all know that one. When this, yeah, all by myself on that one. All by myself. Acts 2.42 says this, and all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and they did this and they prayed together too. Now this is what happened. A deep sense of awe came over all of them. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place, and they shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions, and they shared their money with those in need, and they worshiped together in the temple each day, and they met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and they shared these meals with great joy and generosity, and all while praising God, enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord did this. He added to their fellowship those that were being saved. I also want to read from the book of Acts chapter 1, beginning with verse 12. And then it says this, And the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, a distance of about half a mile. And when they arrived, they went to the upper room, the upstairs room of the house where they were staying. Here are the names of those who were present. Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, Simon, and Judas. Not that Judas, another Judas. And to which this Judas was like, Jesus, can we change my name already? Like, there's associations with this name. The other Judas was there. During this time, there were about 120 believers, and they were to gather together in one place. Now, Peter, being the leader, he's like, got to do something. Peter stood up, and he addressed them. Brothers, he said, the scriptures had to be fulfilled concerning Judas, the other, other Judas, who guided those who arrested Jesus. This was predicted long ago by the Holy Spirit. Like, don't you love how Peter's talking like, he knows what he's talking about. Like, these guys, they couldn't understand anything Jesus was saying. Now Peter's like, listen, guys, I got it. don't y'all see? The scriptures had to be fulfilled concerning Jesus, who guided those who arrested Jesus. He was predicted long ago by the Holy Spirit, speaking through King David. And then he says this, Judas was one of us, and he shared in the ministry with us. So we've been in the series, this doctrinal series, and today you're getting part two, Acts 2.42, the church. Uh, we looked at the contradiction last week of the Webster's Dictionary biblical or non-biblical definition of what it means to, to be the church, and that simply, their definition is this, a building for religious purposes. And we have decided we as a church are going to write them a letter and correct that definitions to something along the lines of this. No, it is a community 
of the people of God, submitted to the authority of God, and empowered by the Holy Spirit of God to be salt and to be light, and we're carrying the message of life, the message of Jesus, following his way, his truth, and receiving his life. Amen? Come on, somebody. That is the church, fully alive in Christ. But here's the thing, you don't get the life of Christ unless you are committed to the ways and the truth of Christ, right? We want the life of Christ. That sounds really good, Pastor. Man, fully alive in Christ. I want some life. I mean, I just want to wake up some joy, some feeling good. Yeah, but you've got to follow the way. And that way has to be undergirded by the truth. You don't get to do things the way you want to do them. Come on. I want to live the life of Christ, but I want to do things the way I want to do them. It don't work that way. It works out you get the life that, well, of you, the life of Lucas, the life of, of, of Jim, the life of Tim. No, no, no. Like, I want to, the life of Christ, Christ in me, the hope of glory. Dedicate this, the way, the truth. So here we are. We have this group of people that's learning what it is to be the church. And I stressed last week, and I want to stress it again, all these things that we just read in Act 242, the things that they did is an outworking of who they are. They're not defined by just what they do. They do these things because of who they are. And if you don't know who you are, you will try to define yourself by what you do. And if you define yourself by what you do, you're only as good as your last mess up. Or, or, or if you're, you're succeeding, then you feel like a success. Or if you're failing that day, you feel like a failure because everything is based upon you. And your identity and your self-worth is based on what you can do. And, and the second you mess up, like, oh, God, you don't love me as much. Come on, we don't say it out loud, but maybe we feel that in our souls. Or, or, or we want to hold on to some kind of title, right? And so we kind of find some recognition from a title. Oh, he's pastor, or I'm a prophet, or CEO, or CFO, or COO. Guys, you do realize all of those titles will fade away. All of the, like, like, there's no prophets in heaven, right? There's no like, oh, I wonder what the Lord is saying. <laughs> hey, Jesus, what you doing? Right? There's, there's no CEO in heaven. Like, none of that. All of this stuff, it's temporary. And if we find our identity from it, listen, there will come a day when all that gets stripped away from you. All of it gets stripped away. And if we, we'll find ourselves just at a loss, uh, whether we see ourselves as this failure or the success, all the time trying to please God. I want to tell you a story. It's a well-known story. Matter of fact, it is the greatest story. Devin, I think my water is left back there. It is the, I would say, one of the greatest stories. Even if you're not a Christian, you understand, you've heard this story. There's this moment where this young boy decides, I want my inheritance early. Come on, some of y'all know where I'm going. Come on. And he said, I'm going to take it. And he goes out and he has a good time. He makes it rain, y'all. He's going to the parties. He's popping tops. Like, everything is good. And it ain't too much longer later, he is broke. He ain't got nothing. He's in a van down by the river. And all of a sudden, he loses the van. And he finds himself with a bunch of pigs. And he's stealing from the pigs, y'all. He's stealing food from the thing that should be his food. 
and, he, and it says it came to himself, and all of a sudden he starts walking back home, and he begins to tell himself a story. This is what I do, I'll do. How many of y'all have had that moment? You've had that moment where you've messed up big time, and you start telling yourself a story. This is what I'll do. Uh, and his story sounds really spiritual. It sounds like, I'll go home, and I'll just be a servant to the Father. I'll go home, and I, I, can't, I can't even be, be this anymore, but maybe he'll just let me be a servant in his house. And we tell ourselves this story step after step after step. And we think it sounds re real good. We think it sounds humble. But the fact is, what we're doing is we're diminishing the love of the Father. Because what we're saying is, the Father can't love me now because of what I've done. The, the love of the Father isn't greater than this sin that I've committed. And so I'm going to go back and I'm just going to be this servant. I'm not even worthy to be called a son. And, and so this, this is my story. This is my plan. And what happens? The father blows his mind while he was still afar off. While he was still afar off, the father comes running off of the porch, and he gives him a ring and gives him a robe. It says, kill the fatted calf. Kill it out. We're about to have a party. The father, he, he didn't do what he expected. I mean, I, I just thought, man, just to be a servant. Like, no, no, like, this is the love of the father. But there's another brother in this story. There's another brother who's out there and he's working in the field. And so you got one younger brother that just feels like a complete failure, but I got this other brother that just feels like, man, he's a complete success because after all, I haven't done what this guy did. I've been working faithfully every day in this field. I go to church every Sunday. I listen to Caleb, y'all. I do all these things. I'm plowing this field. I'm working this field. I hear some music in the background. Oh, there's a party. What's going on? What's happening? What's happening? Your younger brothers come home. What? That's my cow. He already had his cow. What, what's going on? And now what's he start to do? He starts to tell himself a story. He tells him a story that just isn't true. No, 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 no. All this way. And then the father comes out and the scripture says this. The father begged him to come in. The father begged him to come into the party. And to which all he could reply was like, Dad, I've been here all this time. I've been working. Have I ever done any of these things? I've, I've done all of these things for you. Why are you doing this? And to which he replies like this, do you not understand? You've been with me this whole time. You could have had a party any time you wanted. We could have done this yesterday. We could have celebrated like this yesterday. All that I have is yours. But there he is, pouting in the field. Because after all, his identity isn't based on the fact that he's a son. His identity is based on the fact that he's working hard in the field. And after all, I'm not like that guy. And so we got two sons that both have this identity issue. And they both have an un, un, not understanding of what the father's love is all about. And if you don't have that, if you don't have this deep understanding, knowing that, no, 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 it's not this thing that I do, it's, it's who I am. I am a child of God, and he loves me on my best day, and he loves me on my worst day, and there's nothing that you could do to change that. On your absolute worst day, God still loves you the same. And on your best day, when you knocked it out of the park, God still loves you the same. All of this, but we want to base our identity on what we've done 
And I'm here to tell you, if you're in the room today, Jesus is madly in love with you. It's not based on your performance. And here's what he's saying. You want to know what the, the word of the Lord is for the church right now? Come into the party. Come into the party. Celebrate with me. Enjoy the party. All that I have is yours. Teach my church how to celebrate again. Teach my church how to celebrate again. You want to know a telltale sign if you're a Pharisee? You don't know how to party. I'm completely serious. Pharisees don't know how to come out of the field and come into the tent. Pharisees only can see, no, 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 this is what's in it for me. Pharisees can hear the music from a distance, but they'll never enter into the tent. And see, we've, we've gone through this time as a church, and, and, and I was just praying about this and asking God, you know, we had a period of a few years where, like, people that were far from Christ and just, I mean, we were seeing people getting saved, like, every Sunday. I mean, I, mean, I think we had two years where we had almost 300 people gave their life to Christ. And these were people that were far from Christ. And then all of a sudden, like, COVID and everything, and it just kind of stopped. And, and we kind of see a few salvations here and there. And I'm like, God, what are you doing? Like, it's just, and I think what God's saying is, well, I'm trying to bring the older son into the party now. I'm trying to bring the people that have been here the whole time, but they still haven't entered in to the party. See, but it's hard for me to convince you to come back to a place that you think you never left. And I'm here to tell you this morning, if you haven't learned how to party, you're missing the party. If you haven't learned how to celebrate someone else's success, if you haven't learned how to say, like, God did this for you, man, I'm so proud, I'm so happy for you. I'm so happy for the church down the street. I'm so happy for my neighbor. I'm so, but if the first thought that comes into you, what about me? You're a Pharisee. I can't say it any clearer than that. Oh, I'm a, did the pastor just call me a Pharisee? I sure did. Because <laughs> I see the Pharisee in me. I see the Pharisee in me that looks and says, ooh, what about our turn? And I realize, ooh, I failed to enter the party. And I think God said, I want to teach my church how to celebrate again. I want to teach my church how to enter the party. You want this Acts 2.42? Man, they knew how to party. We got together and we celebrated and we had this Lord's Supper and there's this community and there's this great joy. I love just getting together with people and having meals. Come on, it's a church. The church went on a diet in Acts 2.42. Church was eating, y'all. Celebrating together. You want revival? You got to learn to dance. You want revival? That means it's made up of younger brothers and older brothers. And the father's saying, come on, everybody, younger brother, older brother, all that I have is yours. There's the gift of the presence of the father. See, we're doing this series because I want a church that will be able to stand tough and stand strong whenever times get hard. And if you, if you think, like, if like I'm telling you, if y'all thought COVID was hard, you ain't seen nothing. Like, have y'all read Revelations? It's going to get a whole lot harder. And we saw so many people just fall away from the faith. And God's saying, come on, join the party. I killed the fatted calf. I'm pouring it out. But you're still pouting in the field. You're still pouting in the field. And there's this tension in the church 
Because the reality of it is the tension is made up of younger brothers and older brothers. But we all have the same problem. We're all still trying to find our identity based on the things that we've done. And the father's still saying, no, 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 the fact that you're my son changes everything. See, for the, in Jesus' day, the Pharisees, Jesus represented somebody that disrupted everything, disrupted the patterns, disrupted church, disrupted the way that, hey, these, these people at the party, these are the ones that deserve to come. These are the ones that don't deserve to come. And I just love that, I shouldn't say love is not the right, I can't stand the fact that right now, like, there are pastors, there are churches, they're absolutely bashing this revival that's happening in other, in this. and I'm like, they're just mad because it ain't happening at their church. Like, any, if you hear any of that mess of just like, no, that ain't from God, and that's whatever, and we're just, like, just turn that off. You need to get that mess out of your ear, because that brother's a Pharisee. I know I'm stepping on everybody's toes today. It's going to go on YouTube and whatever. But, like, you need to, like, that's why Jesus prayed this prayer, that they would be one. Like, you need to just say, like, God, do that in me. Do that here. We want Asbury right here. We want revival right here. We want it right here in this heart. I didn't come to church just to listen to a band or just to hear me speak. I came to church because I'm believing that Jesus in this place. And I need some more of him. And I'm saying revival is happening, but you've got to have eyes to see it. You've got to have ears to hear it. You've got to come. People say, oh, I'm going to Asbury. And you know why? Because you went expecting. Did you come expecting this morning? Did you come expecting when everything goes wrong? Did you come expecting when there's still a stack of bills? Because it will get tough again. You've got to come with this heart. The Pharisees, man, that it has to be perfect. It has to be this, and then we've got to point fingers at everybody else. And let me just say this. Do you realize when you talk about the church, you're talking about the bride of Christ? I'm, I'm telling y'all, like, let me just, I've told y'all something, I make jokes about it, but don't come talking bad about a church to me. I will shut it down quick. Because here's the thing. You don't come, no, no, it doesn't matter, American, whatever culture you're in, you don't talk bad about somebody's woman. Right? Oh, man, that, that girl got some issues pastor's wife got some, Carl, your wife got some issues. No one would do that because you'd get beat down. Like we know, we know we got some issues, but you don't say nothing. But we talk about the bride of Christ like Jesus ain't right there listening to what you're saying. That's his woman, y'all. And yeah, there's some issues, but I'm pretty sure Jesus will take care of it. Your job, your anointing isn't to fix the church. All right, the church got issues. The reason why it has issues is because you're there. <laughs> and the church has younger brothers and older brothers. And all of us come together, not because we're so good. We come together because it reminds us that we're in need. We come and we gather together and we fellowship because it reminds us not of how great we are and we deserve the static half. It reminds us that we serve a good, good father and we don't deserve any of it. And I don't deserve this ring. I don't deserve this robe. I don't deserve that cow. But you did it anyway. So I'm not looking for heroes. I'm just looking for Jesus. I don't need all of these other things. Come on. The Pharisees don't know how to party. And the Father's there. You could have had this any time. Heaven is full of people that don't deserve it. 
full of people. As a matter of fact, that's why in Revelation it says there's these elders, and they've given this place of honor, and they cast down their crowns because worthy is the king. Worthy is the king. You're going to get up in heaven and be like, no, nah, I'll take that seat. I'll take that crown. This is how you should do heaven, Jesus. Jesus don't need you to do that. He'll take care of it. He'll take care of his bride. We have to operate from this place of being sons and daughters. This is the baseline. And so there's this fellowship and there's this prayer. There's 120 people in this upper room and they're broken people and they're united in one place. They're messed up. They're just in need of Christ. But then I love what Peter says. And then there was Judas, but he was one of us. See, for us, Judas is Judas. But Judas wasn't Judas before he was Judas. You know what I'm saying? Judas was one of us. Judas was one of us. And we love to point the finger, oh, there, Judas, there, Judas. Until you see the Judas in you. Until you see the Judas in you. See, here's what's funny. He even said, like, don't you know that Judas was that who guided those who arrested Jesus? Which there's a lot of irony to that. Because that's his calling. That's our calling is to point people to Jesus. So technically what Judas was doing was what he was called to do. The difference was his heart. The difference was his heart. He was in it for himself. Ooh, if I point these people, I get 30 pieces of silver in my pocket. And what for him, it wasn't even about the money, y'all. Because what do you do with the money? He said, oh, I'm going to go buy this field. I'm telling you, the scriptures doesn't say this, but I think there's a part of Jesus that says, hey, when this whole Jesus thing is over, at least I'll have a field. When they finally do kill Jesus, at least I'll have something to fall back on. See, Judas didn't care about any of the things. He could say the right words, but he had the wrong heart. See, a woman could come in and bust open this perfume and the smell could fill the room. And Judas could say something, well, don't you know we could have done that? We could have taken all this money and helped all these poor people. It makes sense. You could have. But that's not where his heart was. The heart was he wanted the money for himself. He wanted the money for himself. He didn't care about the poor. He had a stinking heart. And his heart stunk so bad he couldn't smell the perfume. His heart stunk so bad that all he could think about was himself. I'm telling you, until you could fill your nostrils with the fragrance of the blood of Jesus, you will always be trying to fill your pockets with something else. You'll try to fill your heart. You'll try to fill that void. And I'm telling you, that stink, you got to get it off of you. You got to get it off of you. Judas couldn't enter the party. The older brother couldn't enter the party. Out there, pouting in the field, pouting in the room. And this is the fellowship. This is the church. Younger brothers, older brothers, Peter, who denied him. James, who fled, John, who was at the feet, and Judas, who was one of us. And this is why we, we gather in repentance and brokenness. And we got issues, y'all. Peter had a whole bunch of issues. As a matter of fact, in just a, a little bit, Paul is going to have to call him out on some of his issues. Hey, you're acting one way around these people. You're acting another way around these people. And this is the leader of the church. Younger brothers, older brothers, and they gathered together in this fellowship. And then there was broken bread, these meals, this communion. 
my body broken, my blood shed. Every time we do this, we're brought back to this constant reminder of our brokenness and following Christ, that we are to be that broken bread given to the world. For Christ, walking in his steps, because that was his entire life. I mean, look at the life of Christ. He stepped out of heaven and into humanity. That's a downgrade, y'all. That's like, hey, I'm going to trade in this Ferrari for the Taurus. Uh, like, this is, what? And this is what Jesus did. He came, this broken bread for us. And this is what we are to do as a church, to be poured out. God, not my will, but yours be done. I have to decrease so that you can increase. I was talking to some missionaries this few weeks ago about this, this concept. And so we say that a lot, but what does it mean? How do you decrease? What does it mean for you to decrease? I mean, no, no, like very practically, what does that mean for you to decrease? How can that play out in your life tomorrow? And so we got off this call and I made a decrease list. I made all the ways, uh, not all the ways, I made just like a top 10 of like, hey, here's some ways that I could decrease and so God can increase. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make sure that hey, I want my interns to lead communion every time. I, I, I wanna make sure that other folks are doing baptisms every time. I wanna get more people, like every, in, my, in my house, this is how I can serve my wife. These are ways in which I can decrease. It's not just kind of some out there thing. No, this is what we are doing. Broken bread. Because the, the reality is it's played out in humanity. It's played out in humanity. It's played out in our marriages and in the church amongst younger brothers and older brothers. And they gathered, it says this, and they prayed. You gotta pray. Because you're surrounded by some younger brothers and some older brothers. You're surrounded by all kinds of people, man. <laughs> we all need some Jesus. They talked to Jesus. They were seeking Jesus. Something special happens when God's people come together and just seek him. To just seek him. When we enter in and gather with expectation and the promise that, God, you are here and that you would show up. See, it's this combination of the fact that, like, Jesus is here but we also have to become aware that he's here. Sometimes I'm in my house, and I could be sitting at the couch, and Devin can walk into the room, and she can start talking to me and have a full-on conversation, and I don't hear a word she says. And so we've told her, listen, baby, if you're talking to me, I don't hear you. Assume I don't even see you until I acknowledge your presence. So if I acknowledge your presence, then we know that we're connecting. Come on, somebody. If y'all don't know where I'm going with that one, he could be right here in the room just to seek him, to acknowledge him. And I'm like, you're here. God, God speak to me. Here's your servant. I'm listening. I'm listening. All of these things around me. This is the church. The believers devoted themselves. It's a decision steadfastly, continually in the apostles' teachings, in the breaking bread, in this communion, in this prayer. And then it says this, and this is the outworking of 
who they are, what they're doing, this is what happens. It says a deep sense of awe came over all of them. And there's miracles, and there's signs, and there's wonders. Come on, that sounds good, y'all. Does anybody need a miracle this morning? Come on, God, I just need you to do this in my life. I'd love to see some miracles, some signs, some wonders. But you don't get the awe unless you do these other things first. Committed to these other things first. This gathering, the sharing of meals. the See, we, we, we want all the things, but without the devotion. Like, I don't want to seek you first, God, but I sure would like the miracles. I want all of these things to happen. I don't want to submit to any authority. I don't want to submit to any teachings. I don't even want to gather. I don't want to fellowship. I don't want to talk to nobody because I'm mad at them and they're mad at them. And, and, and partake in this communion? No, no, I don't want no part of the suffering. Just give me the joy. I don't want the cross. Just give me the crown. Give me, give me all the good stuff. I, I don't even want to seek. I just want to know where I could, right here, Fridays at 2 o'clock, you'll be right. No, no, no. All of that. But God, I want the wonders. Like, no, no, you, you got to be devoted to these things. All of these things they did from who they are to see this. And this is the church. This is the body, the community, the followers of the way devoted to the truth that we may experience the life of Christ. I'm asking everyone to stand to their feet. I think it's time for some of us to enter the party. For some of us, we've been pouting in the field. I, I've heard this a lot. I've heard this from people who are like, oh, yeah, the, the church is full of hypocrites. Oh, they're just a whole bunch of hypocrites. Yeah. And you're not? Right? Like, the world is full of hypocrites. Here's the problem that I think people have with the church. It's not that it's full of hypocrites, because if they were to step back and really be honest with themselves, they'd see it in them too. The problem they have with the church is that we're not honest about it, is that we don't stand up and just own the fact that we failed, own the fact that, no, 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 I'm out there pouting in the field, or that I've, I've totally blown it and I'm walking back home with my tail between my legs, and I'm just, the Father, take me in. I, I, I think the world can buy that. I think the world can buy it. No, no, here's a group of people that they ain't perfect. They're younger brothers. They're older brothers. But they are committed to this thing of, called repentance. And it's, there's something, and we've seen the power of God change in their lives. And they would, they'd live like this, and now they once lived like this. And even Paul, Paul admits his hypocrisy. Paul says, listen, there's these things that I don't want to do, but I still do them. These things that I do want to do, and then I don't do them. And he writes it right there for the entire world and for generations to see, I'm letting you know my hypocrisy. And I'm just praying because I need the power of the Holy Spirit to change me. And this is the dude that's writing the scriptures. If he needed it, I need it. You need it. If we're going to be a church, man, that gets a part of changing the world, y'all, because that's what it is to be a part of the church, to be a part of the body of Christ, that he's using us, older brothers and younger brothers, to say, come on, let's enter in and watch how this changes everything around us. Watch how it changes towns and cities. Watch how the gospel goes forward.
but it means learning how to celebrate. It means learning how to stop telling yourself a story that just isn't true. It means stop trying to diminish the Father's love to a level of your understanding. It means stop trying to follow your way, your truth, because you'll never experience his life. Let's pray. Lord, in this moment, just as, just as the pastor of this church, I want to repent. God, we say we want revival. Revival starts with admitting we're dead. It means we need life in us. We need hope. It means there's, we're dead and there's nothing we could do. There's no bit of our own strength that can make anything happen. It means, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Lord, I want that for this church. I want that for me. I want that for every single person that enters through these doors. We're not here for a show. We're not here for performance. God, we welcome your correction. We welcome your discipline. And we just say that we need you, Jesus. Lord, we're just all the stories that we've told ourselves. All the narratives that we play over and over again. Help us to enter the party. Help us to experience the way, the truth, and the life that you have for us. Forgive us for trying to do it in our own way and in our own strength. Lord, disrupt us. Disrupt your church. I don't want a Sunday morning religion. All to know you, Jesus. The power of the resurrection, the fellowship of the suffering. Lord, we repent. If you're in the room today and and you just feel like that older brother where you've known Jesus for 10 years, 20 years, you've been walking with Jesus for a long time. But if you were real honest, there's that peace in your heart that you've just been working in the field. Lord, I just pray for that person. I pray for me. I pray for us. I pray for your church. I pray for your body. Lord, teach us to celebrate. Teach us to love. 
Teach us to be grateful for the fact that our brothers and our sisters are coming home to you. And all that you have is ours. And all that we have is yours. If you're in the room today and you don't know him, may today be the day of your salvation. If that's you and you're in the room, I just want you to put your hand real high in the air. I just want to pray a prayer with you. I know we prayed it before, but maybe you weren't ready then. Maybe the Holy Spirit's just been tugging at your heart. All right. I want to believe that everybody knows them. I want to believe that everybody knows them. I ought to know you more, God. Take a moment, let's just worship together. Maybe there's some folks in the room today, and Dean just asked me about this, and you're saved, you love Jesus, but you just kind of feel like today needs to be a day that you put a line in the sand, and you just need to rededicate your life to God. And if that's you and you're in the room, I want to ask you just to come, come up, stand around this stage. If there's anybody just... You just know you need to rededicate your life to Jesus. moment sometimes in your life where everything changes and this is one of those moments not just for you guys but for this church so God as a church as we gather and those that are on their knees right now just saying we bow humbly before you God Lord we do the same thing just as a church Lord we say that this church is yours our lives are yours. Lord, revive us. Revive us. Breathe life upon us. There was 120 in that room, and there's, there's more than that in this room, God, and we're just saying we need you. Holy Spirit, come and breathe in your people. Give us the strength, Lord God. Give us the wisdom. Let everything change, God. God, we don't want to go back to the way it was. And just at this moment, <laughs> I could see the Father coming into this room and putting a robe on each one of your backs, a ring on your finger, my son, my daughter, 
whom I'm well pleased. My church, my bride, I love you. I love you. Oh, thank you, God. Amen. Amen. Come on, y'all. This is how revival starts. Come on, for Jesus. For Jesus. For Jesus. God, you are worthy. God, you are holy. Come on. Guys, we love you. We love you. If you need prayer for anything, we have some folks over here that would love, love, love to pray with you. Guys, have a wonderful, wonderful week. Grace and peace. If you're part of that growth Well, we hope this podcast has blessed you. In case you didn't know, we are in the middle of renovating a brand new facility right here in Brunswick County, North Carolina. So listen, two things. Please take a moment and pray for us. Also, if you'd like to give to the ministry, sign on to the website at mycoastalchurch.com giving. Hey, have a wonderful, wonderful day. Grace and peace.